Okay, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's another wonderful Thursday afternoon here in Detroit. And uh, it finally is spring, which is a beautiful thing because we love spring, especially because it only lasts about three weeks here in Detroit or less. So I appreciate you for coming and dedicating one of your spring afternoons to this class. You guys are amazing. I want to start off by giving the thanks in proper order. First of all, thank you all for coming and those who are on Zoom and especially those who leave their cameras on who make it feel like we got a class full of people. You guys are awesome. And you don't feel pressure to leave it on if you don't want to, but if you do leave it on, it definitely gives it more of a class feel. That's right. Okay, good. I also want to thank all the amazing staff over at Yeshiva Yehuda and Partners Detroit who uh, enable us to give this class. Um, of course, they are the organization that I work with and have been for the last 16 years, Baruch Hashem. And I want to thank the amazing folk over at Torah Anytime. It's an app, it's a website, and it's got billions of billions, billions of hours, maybe trillions, I don't know. And, and now the economy, the way we give out money, it's like a trillion for you, a trillion for you. So uh, maybe it's trillions. Maybe by now, Torah Anytime has trillions of hours of incredible Jewish content um, in order that you can download it all and plug it right into your brain and be filled with wisdom and inspiration and goodness. Um, I also want to mention my brother Ozzy Burnham has uh, created a app called Burnham on the Parsha, sorry, a podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you do get your podcasts, you can find Burnham on the Parsha. All righty. And this week's Torah portion, ladies and gentlemen, is Shalach Lecha Anashim. You shall send for yourselves men. It's the tragic story of the spies that were sent out by Moses and come back and give a terrible report about the land of Israel. I don't want to give it all away. You'll discover more on Shabbos, or you'll discover more right now, because they end up giving a terrible report about the land of Israel. The people cry all night long. In the morning, God says, oh, yeah, you guys cried for nothing. You're going to cry forever. It's going to be a really miserable uh, day for all of history. And that, of course, is Tishabov, the very first Tishabov. The Miraglim themselves, the men who came and gave the bad report, report they die a horrible death. And um, the Jewish people are stuck in the desert for 40 years. As I said earlier this week, you know, the women did not believe the Miraglim. The women did not believe the Lashon Hara of the spies, right? And it was the men who cried all night long. The women did not. However, when the Jewish people got stuck in the desert for 40 more years, because the, the spies went into land for 40 days, and Hashem said, Yom Lashana, Yom Lashana, a, a, a year for each day. And therefore, the Jewish people ended up spending 40 years in the desert uh, because, the Jewish, uh, because the Jewish men believed the spies and cried all night long. So therefore, the Jewish women, unfortunately, were forced to stay in the desert for 40 years. It's amazing, by the way. They were after the golden calf, they were not doomed to spend 40 years wandering in the desert. After the golden calf, God was like, okay, you guys can go into the land of Israel, right? I didn't think it was going to end up happening like this, but I said, Salahti Kitvarecha. I said, I forgive you, and I meant it. We're going to build a Mishkan, we're going to build a tabernacle and head on into the land of Israel. The land is waiting and wide open for you. But of course, we said they're spies. Our spies came back, gave a terrible report. When the Jewish people believed the Lashon Hara, God said, now you guys are going to stay stuck in the desert for 40 years. I can handle a couple of people serving idols. I can't handle people who fall for the gossip and the Lashon Hara. 
And that's why, of course, the first base of Mikdash, which was destroyed because of the sins of idol worship, even murder and uh, forbidden sexual relationships, that was only for 70 years. But the second base of Mikdash that was destroyed because of sinaschina, because of baseless hatred and Lashin Hara, is unfortunately 2,000 years still uh, destroyed, 2,000 years later. So we see what God takes much more serious. So when the Jewish people serve the golden calf, God's like, okay, you guys can go into the land of Israel. When the Jewish people listen to and believe the spies and believe the Lashon Hara and believe the gossip and the negative hype and cry all night long, God's like, that's it. You guys are going to be in the, in the desert for 40 years. Now, the women didn't believe the spies, but yet they were stuck in the desert for 40 years because of the men, right? So think about it. They were stuck for 40 years in the desert because of the men. And ever since then, women have been getting their revenge, making men wait at department stores all across the nation as they go shopping for hours and hours at a time. Trust me, those 40 years have been paid back many times over by this point by the men of the world. Okay, now, I want to talk about something we've talked about in previous years, but I want to talk about it with a different approach that we've never talked about before. And I want to alert you to the fact that I got this approach this morning. It comes from the Svas Emes, who was one of the great Gera Rebbe's, one of the great masters of the Hasidic dynasty of Gore, the Gera dynasties. However, I did hear it this morning, this idea first, I'm going to flush it out a little, maybe add a little bit of salt and pepper, my own flavoring, my own seasoning, hopefully. But uh, I did hear it from the uh, this morning, Rabbi Gershon Miller. Rabbi Gershon Miller, in case you don't know, is an English rabbi who is moving to Detroit. And he is going to be taking over leadership of Yeshua Beth Yehuda and all of its organizations. Partners Detroit, of which I'm a part of, is one of the organizations that is under the wings, under is a full-on, fully-owned subsidiary, so to speak, of Yeshua Beth Yehuda. So Rabbi Gershon Miller is going to be the new, the new Rosh HaMosa, the new head of the entire organization. And he met with the uh, educators from partners this morning, and he shared an idea, and I was so blown away with it that I went down, I, I looked it up, I, I got the sources themselves, and I'm going to share with you what he shared with us, as well as some additional Burnham flavoring. Here we go after that introduction. Let us get into it. So my question we're going to ask, and this is the question we've asked in previous years, but we're going to see a different answer this year, is... Why did Hashem let the people go and the spies go into the land of Israel if he knew it was not going to end well, right? He knew that the spies, the whole purpose of asking, the whole question when they requested to send spies into the land of Israel was so highly inappropriate. When God comes to you and says to you that I'm bringing you into a land flowing with milk and honey, when God says I'm sending you into an incredible place, this is my home, this is my treasure, this is the geographic location in the world that I'm most deeply connected with, and I'm going to bring you there, and it's going to be amazing, you don't say, can I get a second opinion? So it was a big mistake on the part of the Jewish people in the first place to ask for sending spies. And in previous years, we said, so, so why did God let them go in? And in previous years, we said, listen, God's going to let you do what you want to do, no matter what. That's the whole purpose of this world. The whole purpose of this world is that you have free will, that you can do the wrong thing, which makes you great if you do the right thing. Again, the greatness of this world is that you can do the wrong thing. And as I'm looking at you right now, I know that you've done the wrong thing a couple times. Oh, no, I'm looking at myself. All right. Yeah. Anyway, we all have done the wrong thing a couple of times. And that's because we live in this incredibly wondrous place. The only place in the universe, in the in far more than the universe, there's like the angelic cosmos, right? The universe is only like whatever, I don't know, like 
a couple trillion, you know, light years, light years apart or whatever it is. The universe is only so big. We know there's there's sort of like an outside of this universe, right? The Gemara actually says to you, don't think about these questions, what's on the outside of the universe, because it's too, too complex. Our minds can't grasp that kind of space. But there is an outside of the universe, and it's vaster, way greater than the universe itself. And in all the cosmos, only here and human beings, we've got these little tiny creatures over here on planet Earth that have free will, right? The mountains don't get to disobey God. The seas, they storm and they rage, but they come up to this grain of sand on the beach that God said, up until here you will go, and then they recede. There's a volcano right now. Someone just sent me an email with, there's a new volcano roaring in, in Iceland and spewing out chunks of molten lava, sometimes as large as a car, right? A chunk of lava the size of a car. Car. Um, so massive, gigantic pieces of molten lava. But that is only doing exactly what God told it to do. So in the physical world, there, there are planets, there are asteroid belts. Forget about asteroids, right? There's the, the Kuiper asteroid belt, right? It's not, it's, it's billions of little asteroid pieces in one area. And they're all, every single one of those asteroids is following the very exact trajectory that it was supposed to follow from the beginning of time. Every planet, every galaxy, Every nebula, the, the incredible vastness of the cosmos, everything is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing, exactly when it does it, with the exception of mankind. We are here in this world and we have free will. The beaver, the hyena, the spotted moth, right? I was just, I, I just saw an amazing creature. <laughs> here it goes. Levy with his ADHD. I just saw an amazing creature. I don't even know what it is. It's some kind of a, it's some kind of like a grasshopper or something. Let me show you a picture of what it, what, what it looks like. It's a wild thing, right? I don't even know what it is. Okay, there it is. It's got orange and here we go. Hold on a second. See that? It's got orange and gold on it. It's like a black grasshopper with orange and gold. I don't even know what that is, right? There's amazing creatures, but guess what? That little black grasshopper with golden markings on its skin and are, is it is it called a Katie did? Is that really Paul? Are you telling me? Is that wow? Wow. All righty. Hi, Saffron. You fact check that Paul Burns flying over there. That's incredible if you if he got that right. Good for you. Anyway, <laughs> so that's amazing. I've got such an incredible educated uh, what an educated uh, group over here. So whatever it is. There's so many amazing creatures and they all do exactly what they're supposed to do. The blue whales and the dolphins and, and the anteater and Mount Everest, which grows from year to year. I don't know if you guys know this, but Mount Everest is growing a few inches taller every year. Baruch Hashem, right? So is, there we go, there we go. And it's called the KDD, the Asherkoch, Captain Paul Shraga Burnswag. You did get it right. Here we go. The Katie did, also known from the family of Tetagonede, also known as longhorn grasshopper or bush cricket, also spelled bush cricket, any of about 6,000 predominantly nocturnal insects that are related to crickets. The two groups are in the suborder Ensifera and Orthoptera and are noted for their mating calls. 
All righty, there we go. Paul Bernswein did not know that he had a small passion for insectology. In any case, so um, the bottom line is those Katydids, they did exactly what God wants them to do all the time. They sometimes call them the Katydoo because the Katydoo what God wants it to do. And so does Mount Everest. And so does the nebula out there and the incredible, the, the galaxies out there. We little human beings, sometimes we do what God does not want us to do. God told us, don't speak Lashonara, and we speak Lashonara. God told us, don't, don't, don't believe Lashonara, and we believe Lashonara. God told us, make sure you talk to me and thank me before eating food. And we're like, ah, whatever. Or maybe we just mutter out a bracha. Right? So we do whatever we want to do. Which, by the way, when we do the right thing, despite all the difficulties in doing the right thing, makes us incredibly great because we actually have free will. So one of the ideas that we spoke about in previous years is that the reason why God let the Miraglim, let the spies go, even though he knew it was going to be a disaster, so to speak, is because God's going to be God and God's going to do what God does. And God lets us have free will and lets us make our own mistakes, the blessing of the skinned knee. However, I want to introduce you to a new idea this year that we've never covered before found in the Sfas MS. The Sfas MS quotes, the Sfas MS quotes the very first medrash, the very first medrash on this week's Parsha, which seems like a strange medrash. Let me read it to you. This is how the major starts. Halacha. Are you allowed to go on a boat, a big boat on the big seas, three days before Shabbos? Shana Rabbosenu, our rabbis taught, You cannot set out on a journey on a big boat in the Mediterranean, in one of the oceans, Unless it's three days before Shabbos. Okay? There's a couple of different explanations here and how we're not going to get into the whole full halachas of Shabbos today. Okay? That is bismanchu holich l'makam rachok. That's when you're going on a far journey. So like, if let's say you're journeying back in the day, people were taking boats and they were going to the US of A. It would take them three weeks, right? Okay? So you're going on a long journey. Let's say you're just trying to take a small day jaunt with your boat from Tyre to Zidon, right? Which was a short little distance from one port city to another, from the port of Yafo to the port of Damascus. I mean, it's a little bit of, I don't know how long the distance is, but if you're trying to go from Ashdo to Ashkelon, okay? Not very big of a distance. Then you're allowed to go. Mutter lo lefros afilu b'erev Shabbos. Then you can go even on erev Shabbos. Mipnei sh'adavro yadua shu yochol lelech mibod yom. And that's because you know, everyone knows that you'll be able to get to where you're going on Shabbos. You're taking a ferry from Ashdo to Ashkelon. You're taking a ferry from Mackinac City to Mackinac Island, right? Here we are, Michigan, from Mackinac City to Mackinac Island. Not a very big distance. I just saw right now, you know, everyone's talking about these, all these attacks right now, the ransomware attacks, right? You guys familiar that they shut down the colonial pipeline Right. And then they, right now, right now, literally right now, they shut down like I think it's like B, BGS is like the largest slaughtering company in the U.S. Maybe High Saffron can do the little checker on that, the, the fact checker. I think it's BGS. But it's like, like the largest um, like slaughtering company in the United States of America has right now shut down its operations because they've been attacked. OK. And. Uh, nerve of all nerves. 
these horrible, horrific people. It's one thing they shut down the colonial pipeline, shutting off gasoline access to people all across the Appalachia. It's one thing if they shut down the meat producers, but they shut down the ferry that takes people to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> now that is a chutzpah. That is a real chutzpah. Now where is America going? If you're shutting down the ferry to Martha's Vineyard, <laughs> you can expect the wrath of the US government to come after you, right? Because what is an American government official if he can't go hang out in Martha's Vineyard for a little bit? Okay, now, here's something, JBS, not GBS. Okay, very good. Uh, they were paid off, millions to the Russian bad guys. Let me just tell you something interesting, guys. Here's a fascinating idea. Right now, people are talking about maybe we should ban cryptocurrencies uh, because all these ransomware attacks are being demanded in cryptocurrency. I'll tell you a few different things just important to remember as like a little side over here. And for some of you who know me, you know that I'm very pro cryptocurrency. Number one, if you don't pay out the attacks, the attacks slow down or stop. The reason why the attacks have been increasing lately is because bigger companies now get insurance. And as soon as the ransomware companies know that you have insurance, they're coming after you because they know the insurance companies are gonna pay it out. It's the same thing. I don't know if any of you have been involved in a lawsuit, but if you've been involved in a frivolous lawsuit, as soon as they know that you have insurance, the lawyers jack it up because they know that the insurance companies are risk averse and they're just gonna pay it out. That's why in America right now, our legal system is mired with frivolous, ridiculous lawsuits because we have insurance companies that just pay them out. They just jack up the insurance rates for everybody. So the same thing is going on for ransomware. But let me point out another very, very important point. Would you, ransomware attacks exploit vulnerabilities in our system. That means that these companies have vulnerabilities that are being exploited, right? So like if whether you be a colonial pipeline or you are the largest produce slaughtering producer of meat in America, or you're the ferry to Martha's Vineyard, if you're being attacked by ransomware, it's because you've got vulnerabilities in your computer system. Now, what would you rather? Would you rather that those vulnerabilities be exposed, exposed by a bunch of hackers who just want to make money, just pay them a couple million dollars, $20 million, $15 million, whatever it is, and they walk away? Or would you rather that those vulnerabilities be exposed by some malicious actor from some terrorist group that's really trying to hurt America? So my preference is, let's learn about our vulnerabilities by having to pay out some money in ransom money, and let's shut down those vulnerabilities. And instead of trying to shut down cryptocurrency, which even if you ban in America, guess what? The Russian hackers are still gonna use cryptocurrency, right? And then by the, whatever, by the way, the most commonly used currency in illegal transactions in the world right now is the US dollar, right? Every guy, you know, we can go into this much longer conversation, but the bottom line is, is I'd rather that companies find out that they have vulnerabilities that they've been ignoring because they've been lackadaisical about their cybersecurity when some ransomware attacker attacks them and not when they're shut down by some state terror uh, sponsored terrorist hacker group, like a Chinese hacker group or an Iranian hacker group or a Russian hacker group. Okay, anyway, next, moving right along. But how do we even get into this thing? How do we get into this? Oshinara, flood. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, someone's gotta help me out. Someone walk me back to where we were before. Okay, we were talking about how in this world people can do evil things, is that where we got here? Anyway, we could do evil things, that's for sure. Um, and we have free will. But <laughs> now we're going to talk about a different reason. My mom just got on. That is true. Thank you. Hello, Ema. It's good to see you. The spies. Yes, the spies. 
Okay, back to the spies. Oh, I remember now. We were talking about... <laughs> Woo! You know what I got to tell you guys? First of all, thank you for bearing with me. That's number one. Thank you for bearing with me. Second of all, every time you hear me talk, you get a little bit of insight into what a, uh, a person with ADD is afflicted with. So you can better understand children out there who can't hold their train of thought. You're like, oh yeah, I was listening to a class by Ray Burnham. And that's exactly, he was in the middle of talking about the spies and somehow he ended up talking about cryptocurrencies and ransomware. But I did, I, I was able to ravel it back. I figured out where it was going. Because the Medrash is quoting the Halacha. The Halacha says, if you're going on a long distance trip and you got to leave three days before Shabbos, but if you're going on a quick day jaunt, like the ferry to Martha's Vineyard, then you're allowed to leave even on Friday. Okay, now continues the Medrash. That is all That's all when someone's going to do, they're going for their own pleasure, they're on their own trip. However, the Imayashliach mitzvah continues the medrash. If the person was a shaliach, a messenger going to do a mitzvah, then he could leave on any day of the week. He does not need to leave three days before Shabbos. Lama, why? You're going to do a mitzvah. And that mitzvah could be one of the ones that is docha Shabbos that is able to overturn Shabbos. Now, there are very specific rules, but it's not like, like, oh, I wanted to go give charity. So even though we're not supposed to use money on Shabbos, but I was going to go give charity. So I'm driving to go somewhere where I'm going to give some charity. That does not work, right? So, you know, there's a kind of a shliach mitzvah gelt, right? When people go to Eretz Yisrael and people go on a flight, even not just Eretz Yisrael, anywhere, the people are going on a flight, some people will give them a dollar. They say, here, if you don't mind, give this money to charity wherever you get there. And there's a concept of shliach mitzvah, that people who are doing on the way to go to a mitzvah don't get harmed. So this way, the way I provide protection for you, by when you're going to Israel, I say, here, take this dollar and go give it in Israel to tzedakah. Now you're a shliach mitzvah. Now you're a messenger going to do a mitzvah. And therefore, you'll get the protection of shluchei mitzvah, enam nizakim, that uh, people who, who uh, are on the way to do mitzvahs don't get hurt. Now, does that mean that now that I gave you a dollar and you have a dollar in your pocket that you plan on giving to stucco when you get to Israel, on my behalf, that you're allowed to do Michal Shabbos? Obviously not. There are very specific parameters when and how a shliach mitzvah is allowed to be allowed to break Shabbos. But there are circumstances where a shliach mitzvah is allowed to break Shabbos. And so do we find when it comes to sukkah. If you're a shliach mitzvah, if you're a messenger on the way to go do certain mitzvahs, you don't need to sleep in a sukkah. Now here's the key words over here. There's nobody more beloved to Hashem than a messenger who's on the way to do a mitzvah. And he sacrifices himself, everything. He puts everything into his success, even taking sometimes risk of losing his life and limb in order to go do the mitzvahs that he wants to do. Think about the Yidin who went into Russia during the times when the Iron Curtain was heavy over Russia and Jews used to go into Russia to do brismilas. And they would go from city to city performing illegal brismilas. I remember this principal of my school, Rabbi Fishman, who was here. He was the principal of the school here in Detroit until he passed away, unfortunately, the year 2008. Rabbi Vram Fishman, Zatzal. I remember, I think he went, if I'm not mistaken, I think he himself went to Russia and he used to like, he used to like take leather straps from tefillin and he would make like a decorative 
ring around his like a like a like um like an embroidery I don't know it's like a, like a nice embellishment on his suitcases so it looked like he had these very nice leather embroidered suitcases whereas really when he got to Russia he would unwrap the leather uh, suitcases and that would be the tefillin straps he would give people who needed tefillin and there was all kinds of ways they would smuggle things in. So the Gemara says, "Ain't lechachab of Nakadosh Baruch Hu is no one more dear to their Bnei Shalom to God. Kishliach shemishdalech lasos mitzvah, like a person who's on his way to do a mitzvah, but no say nafsho kadeshi yatzliach mishlichuso, and he gives his soul over to fulfill this shlichus, to fulfill his duty of bringing forth, of being a, 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 a faithful messenger." And now it brings out that there was another set of spies that were sent later in the times of Yeshua. So the Jewish people were stuck in the land, in the, in the desert for 40 years after the, the bad spies came back. But in the end, before they go in, after Moshe passed away, Yeshua sends spies in and he sends only two spies in, but these are the appropriate spies. They give over their lives. Mihayu, who are these people? By the way, you're about to hear an amazing story, so get ready, okay? Shanu Rabosenu Elu Pinchas Vakali. This was Pinchas, the grandson of Aaron Cohen, the grandson of Aaron, the high priest, who was also given a special Kohanic order. He was given Hinani no Sein Lo as Brisi Shalom, right? Risk Olam. Pinchas, we're going to see later, did a very violent act, but was rewarded because the violent act was appropriate and well-timed. And he was rewarded with a special Kohanic order. And Kalev, who was one of the original spies, one of the, the, there was 12 spies who went out the first time. 10 came back and gave a bad report, which is, by the way, why we have 10 people in a minion. And two people gave a good report. Their names were Yoshua and Kalev. Yoshua, after Moshe's death, became the leader of the Jewish people. And he sent two spies out. He sent Kalev, the former good spy, and Pinchas, the grandson of Aaron Akoin. They, they literally gave themselves over. They put themselves in great danger, and they were saved, and they were very successful at what they did. And he quotes the following verse. The first, this verse is from the book of Joshua, okay? The book of Joshua, chapter 2, verse 1. Yoshua Bez Aleph by Yishlach Yoshua Benun Minashitim Shnaim Anashim. And Yoshua Benun sent from the Shitim, which was where the Jewish people were camped. Two people, Miraglim, spies, Cheresh. Cheresh, sorry. Now, what does Cheresh mean? We're going to get into that in a second. Okay. Cheresh here means secret. Okay. We'll get more into what it means, why it was called Cheresh. Lamar is saying, go see the land, see Jericho. They came to the house of Rachav, who was a, a woman, a harlot. And they came to her house and she hid them. Okay? Now the Gemara says, here's the, the Medrash tells you something fascinating. What happened was, the Hirgish, I'm going to read it like this. Um, Amda Kiblon, this woman, Rachav, who was this harlot, she took her, took them into her house and she hid them. And the king of Jericho heard that there were Jewish spies coming. And, and the people of Israel, the inhabitants of Israel, were very, very concerned about the Jewish people because the Jewish people had just toppled Sichon and Og, the biggest giants, the, the most powerful kingdoms, had been already toppled by the Jewish people outside of Israel. So everyone was on high alert for the Jews. 
And the king of Jericho heard that there were Jewish spies coming. Okay. Then, and what happened? And he heard the Jews came. And it was told to the king of Jericho saying, spies have come. So then people started spreading out. The king immediately said, search parties. And all the search parties were coming and looking for the Jewish people, the Jewish spies. What did Rachel do? And he hears something you never heard before. You might have known the story. Many of you probably heard the story before, but you didn't hear this detail. And maybe you did. Maybe you did. If you did, I'd like you to point put in the chat. If anybody here heard the detail before that I'm about to say, please do put it in the chat. Now, she took them to hide them. She's like, look, let me hide the two of you. And she's going to hide them in these plants that she had on her roof. Okay? Amr la Pinchas. Pinchas said, Ani Kohen, I am a Kohen. Kohanim nimshulu And the Kohens are compared to angels. Shenemar, as it says in the Pasuk in Malachi, Bez Zion of Malachi 2.7, Ki sifsei Kohen yishmuru das. Because the lips of the Kohen will guard wisdom. You should seek out Torah from his mouth. Because he is like an angel of God. Continues Pentecost and says, The Malach, an angel, has an incredible force, an incredible magical power. The, ma the Malach, the angels of God, can be visible or invisible, right? If he wants to be seen, he can make himself visible, like the angels that came to visit Abraham in the famous story, right? Or the angels can make themselves invisible, as most angels are invisible. So Pincha says, I'm a Kohen. I'm compared to an angel. And an angel can make himself invisible like this. And furthermore, I'm also, I'm also a Navi. I'm a prophet. The Nevi'im prophets are also compared to, um, to uh, angels. Shekenu Omer Moshe. We see by Moshe, says, The Pasuk in Judges 2, 1, Shoftim Beis, Aleph, says that a Malach came into the out of Mitzrayim. But while Moshe Hayat was not really a Malach, it was not an angel, it was Moshe. We see here that the Nevi'im are called angels. And furthermore, we see in uh in Joshua that the sorry in Shoftim also sorry my bad but Yishlach Malch Mitzrayim is referring to Moshe that's in Bamidbar Parakhaf Pasuk Tazain numbers 20 uh, 16. In the Pasuk in Shoftim Judges 2 1 is what talks about how a, a, a Malach came from the Gilgal to Bochim and gave a message on behalf of God. And we say the Rashi right there says that's Pinchas. So Pinchas was a Navi and Pinchas was a, was a Kohen. Both Navim and Kohanim are compared to angels and angels can make themselves visible or make themselves invisible as they want. So therefore she said, listen to this, Lefichach, Amr Pinchas, Ani Kohen, I'm a Kohen, Be'eni Tzarek Lahatmin, you don't got to hide me because I'll just make myself invisible when they come looking for me. However, go please hide Kalev, my friend, because he doesn't have that power of making himself invisible. So therefore, and sorry, he says, I can stand right there in front of him and they won't see me. I got my invisibility cloak on, right? 
but Kalev is not. And therefore, listen to the past fascinating thing. If you look in the Pasuk, Joshua 2, 4, I dare you to look it up. It says, And the woman, Rachav, took these two men, and she hid him. In Hebrew, if you want to say she hid them, you would say, But it says here, and she hid him, because she only hid Kalev. Pinchas said, I'll just make myself invisible. No need to hide me. Did anybody hear that before? Did anybody here ever hear that before? This whole story, this incredible part that Pinchas said, I'll just make myself invisible. But anyway, the bottom line is they were at risk of their lives. And Rachav saved them, at least for sure, Kalev, who would have otherwise been killed for sure by the king of Jericho and his men, if not for the fact that they were hidden. One through his own magical powers and one through the help of Rachav. But if not for that, they would have been found and they would have been killed. And therefore, Lulamedcha continues the Medrash. What kind of sacrifice did these men take in order to do their, ju- their job as the spies for the Jewish people? But the, the spies that were sent by Moshe were wicked. As we read in the Pasuk, in the Parsha of Shlach Lachanashim, where we read about them coming back and giving a terrible. Uh, a terrible um, report. Okay, now, okay, next. So the question is, why did Hashem send them? And what is this Medrash talking about? This whole thing is going into with Shluchim Mitzvah, if you're a Shliach, Hashem loves you, there's nothing greater than someone who goes to do his business and is most nefesh to, to be a shaliach, to be a, a messenger for Hashem. What is going on over here? The Sfas Emes says the following idea. The Sfas Emes says, Hashem knew that when the people were asking to send spies, there was evil intent over there. And he knew that it could be a disaster. But Hashem was also hoping that if he could make the commandment that they be spies, then they could be transformed from doing their own wicked, checking out, second-guessing God, and they could be transformed into shluche mitzvah. They could be transformed into people who are doing something on behalf of God. And if they could be transformed, if they could stay the focus and do something on behalf of God, they could be saved even from their own evil inclination. Again, the idea here, and he even proves it, because it says that when in the beginning of this week's parsha, when Hashem tells Moshe to tell the spies, the pasuk says, "By Hashem el Moshe lemar," and Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, "We know that the word saying, right? Whenever it says that Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, it means go say this to them in my name, right? Whenever the Torah says lemar, it means go say it to them in my name. Hashem was saying these people are trying to second guess me." That's a problem. But if they go about their business, if they go into the land of Israel and they go with the sole intent and desire to be messengers on behalf of me, then they'll be saved. If they go as shluchim of Hashem, they'll be saved. So Moshe, go tell them that I told them to go. You know, it's like those situations where the boss says you're fired and you say, no, 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 I'm not fired, I quit. No, 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 you, I fired you. No, I quit. You know, it's one of those situations. 
They wanted to go of their own volition. They were coming to Moshe and saying, we want to go check it out. We don't trust God. Hashem says, wait, 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 wait. Watch this. I'm going to do something cool here. I'm going to give you a really important opportunity. I command you to go. Now that I commanded you to go, you can go and be my shaliach. And if you're doing it to do God's will, then you can be saved from all the things that you will hear outside. So what went wrong? What went wrong? Why didn't it work? Once Hashem, it's like Hashem gave them a deputy badge. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might be a vigilante, right? One day you're a vigilante on the Texas border trying to stop illegal immigrants. But if someone gives you a badge and says, now you're a sheriff, right? Now you're doing it for the law, right? Like back in the day, right? Back in the day, the posses, you know, they used to go hunt out the outlaws or whatever it was, you know? You give, you dep- I'm going to deputize all these people here right now. Here we go. I'll give you a badge. Boom, 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 boom. You're all now sheriff's deputies, right? Go do what you got to do. String up some uh, cattle rustlers. Kill them. Whatever you got to do. You're now within the law. They were going to second guess God. They were going to send spies out to second guess God. God says, look, I know what you're doing. I know you've got evil intent, but I'm going to give you my license. I'm going to say, shlach l'cha nashim. I'm going to say, go send people out so that you can become my shliach. You can be my messenger, and then maybe you'll get it right. What did they get wrong? So the Medrash continues something saying something fascinating. And again, this is, this is an amazing part of the story. It says, let's go back to that verse that we said, Vayishlach Yoshua binun min ashitim. Yeshua ben Nun sent forth from the Shittim, Shnaim Anashim Miraglim Cheresh. Two people who were sent out. The word Cheresh generally is translated as secretly. However, in Hebrew, there's another word called Cheres. Cheresh, Cheres, very similar word that means something very different. The word Cheres means pottery, a clay pot. In the olden times, they didn't have the ability to extract iron ore so well out of the ground. Steel and iron was much, much more prized as a commodity. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but there was a time in history when aluminum was more expensive than gold. Okay? You've heard this from me before. I see flows like, yeah, I know. Rabbi, you said this before. It's like a hundred times. Okay? So, yeah, at one point in history, aluminum was worth more than gold because we just we, there's plenty of aluminum in the earth, but it's very hard to extract it until we learn a special chemical process for extracting it. So nowadays we have plentiful steel, plentiful, although I don't know if you guys know this, but like, I don't know if you guys know this, but China controls like 60% or 70% of the world's steel production. I don't know, maybe we want to bring something back over here. We've learned that when we don't have control of our production, like we saw in the beginning of the pandemic, when we just didn't have our own means of producing PPE and was a disaster, right? Maybe it's time we bring some production back stateside. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is that in the olden times, metal was much more valuable. And the standard, when people used to make just throwaway pots and pans, they were made out of clay, pottery. It was called a klicheres. Oh, very good. Says Sherry Orbach. Very good. Who's in the land of Israel right now? Says Sherry Orbach. Didn't the people... Pretend to be, uh, let me just read your exact statement. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I got I to gotta go back a little bit. Um, I gotta, 
Did they conceal themselves as deaf mute pottery salesmen so they could secretly spy on the people? Yes, they did. They came in and they were selling pots and they're saying, who wants pots? Come and buy pots. Okay, very good, right? So that's, that is true. But what kind of pots were they selling? They were selling specifically pottery made out of clay. Now, let me teach you an amazing, amazing halacha that has to do with pottery made out of clay specifically. Well, I guess all pottery is made out of clay. Otherwise, it would be like metalware. Anyway, so there's something called a klicharis in halacha. And a klicharis has very different halachic um, rules than other types of vessels. All vessels, if I have a metal cup, right? Let's say, for example, this metal cup over here, right? This very, very cool yishmak, oh, 32-ounce metal cup, right? 32-ounce, because that's how I like my coffee <laughs> a lot. I like Some people like their coffee black. I like my coffee in 32-ounce mugs filled to the top. That's how I like my coffee, right? So I've got this very nice metal coffee mug, okay? It's got two walls for extra insulation. It's all kinds of awesome things about it. But the halacha with this kind of uh, vessel is that if it's touched by something tame on the outside, it becomes tame. A pottery is not like that. A klicharis is enomitame migabo, which means a klicharis is if you take a dead sheretz, a dead, there's certain kinds of animals called a sheretz, which transmit tumma. If you take a dead sheretz and you put it on the outside of a clay pot, it's not tame. Klicharis metame mitocho. Or ma'aviro, a klicheres becomes tame when you put something tame into it. So even if I dangle it, let's say I take a dead sheretz and I've got a big earthenware urn, and I take a dead sheretz and I dangle it on the inside, it doesn't touch the inside walls. It's now tame. That's the law. But when it comes to a middle one, even if I touch it on the outside, it becomes tame. Why is that? Explain this fas emes. The reason why is because a golden vessel or a metal vessel or a silver vessel, think of the Stanley Cup, right? The Stanley Cup is a vessel. You can fill it with liquids. You can fill it with champagne. You can fill it with Diet Coke. You can fill it with anything you want, right? And you can fill it with Budweiser beer. You can fill it with PBR, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Depends how classy you are, right? Now, it is a vessel. But it's also a beautiful vessel. It's a beautiful, beautiful vessel. So its value is not only in what it holds, but it's got its own inherent beauty to it as well. Okay? That is the functionality of a gold vessel or a silver vessel, or even a beautiful pewter vessel or a brass vessel. However, a simple clay pot is just a clay pot. The beauty is not in what it looks like from the outside. The beauty is that it can hold your stuff, right? You can store your wine in it. You can store your oil in it. You can store your olives in it, okay? So it literally, its value is that it's able to carry stuff on the inside. The beautiful golden vessel or the silver vessel or whatever it is, besides being able to hold things on the inside, let's take a kiddush cup. Think of a nice, beautiful kiddush cup. It, it does have functionality on the inside, you can fill it up with grape juice or wine and make it a shishi, right? Beautiful, amazing. 
but it also has beautiful value on the outside. If you don't believe that, go to Hot Sore Fim and see what they're charging for some of these silver vessels today. And they ain't charging it because it holds six ounces of wine or grape juice. They're charging it because it's beautiful. It's stunning. So it's going, oh, look at me. I'm so beautiful from the outside. Oh, you become tummy from the outside too. You've got functionality from the outside. When it comes to tummy, a lot of the rules of what makes something tummy that has to be important. You, can, you consider your outside to be important. You can become tummy from the outside. But the clay cheres, the lowly clay pot, it's got no beautiful look. It's just a an earthen piece, it's like a terracotta pot. It doesn't look that beautiful. But it, able, it can hold your plant, it can hold your oil, it can hold your wheat, it can hold whatever it is. So it's got functionality on the inside, so it becomes coming from the inside, not from the outside. And that, my dear friends, is the deep secret between the Miraglim and Miraglim number one and Miraglim 2.0. Miraglim 2.0, how are they described? By Yishlach Yoshua ben Nun Menashitim, Shnaim Anashim, Miraglim Cheresh. And Joshua sent from the Shitim two spies who saw themselves as clay vessels. We're not beautiful. We're not smart. We're not brilliant. We're not charismatic. We're nothing other than a vessel that carries out God's will in this world. And that's why they were not influenced. They could not become tummy from that they saw on the outside. The other miraculum during the time of Moshe and this week's Parsha, Hashem said, be my shaliach. Just be about doing what I'm asking you to do. But no, 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 no. They had their own roles in mind. Chazal tells us, the sages tell us that one of the reasons why they came back and gave a bad report about the land of Israel is because they said, if we go into the land of Israel, we won't have our job anymore. We won't be the leaders anymore. We won't have the epaulets with five-star general or four-star general anymore. Right now, when we walk around the camp, everyone sees, oh, look, there is this gentleman over here, and he's got four stars on his epaulets. He's a, he's a leader of the tribes of Israel, very chashid, very special. Once we go into Israel, we lose that designation. So we can want to come and give a bad report to the land of Israel. Because we see our job as what we want our job to be, what we want to look like from the outside. Says the amazing Svas Emes. This is all true for us going through the world in 2021. The world outside of us is so caustic. The world outside of us is so harmful. The world outside of us is just so acidic and damaging and angry and gossipy. So much filled with cynicism and hatred and negativity. If you see your outside mission is how great I am, how good do I look on social media? How good do people see me from the outside? Then you'll end up caving to the crazy mob and you'll espouse positions You'll speak slander by the land of Israel. Look at this today. Look, look at it. It's literally modern day 2021. How many Jews, unfortunately, Jews who on their social media are saying, we stand with Palestine. Call Israel to, 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 to the international court for war crimes. How many Jews, do you know how many Jews are deeply involved in the SJ? SJP, Students for Justice in Palestine. No, yeah, SJP, Students for Justice in Palestine, one of the greatest anti-Semitic groups on campus. 
that just calls all day that Israel's apartheid and calls has chants. You can go to SJP rallies and they're chanting from river to sea, Palestine will be free, which means we'll wipe the Jews off the map. And who are the leaders of the SJP on so many campuses? It's Jews. Why? Because they want to see, like they want to look like from the outside that they're compassionate and caring. They're not listening to their inner voice. They're not listening to their godly message. They're so concerned like the golden vessel or the silver vessel. What do I look like to everybody around me? And if I say anything that's going to be in support of Israel, I may lose friends on social media and people will attack me. So instead, let me attack Israel. Like the olden spies who were afraid that we're going to lose our job as the tribal leaders, we're going to lose the, the stars on our, on our collar, on our epaulets. So let's land in the land of Israel. The difference is the first, the two Miraculum who got it right, the spies 2.0, they went in right away. The Yoshua sent the men from the Shittim. Miraglim Cheresh. They went in, they said, we've got nothing. We are clay pottery salesmen. We're here to do a job. Our only function is what's inside, not how we look on the outside. What God wants us to do. There's a pasuk in this week's parsha. How strange is it that it's in this week's parsha, the, the parsha of Tzitzis? And what is the parsha? It's an amazing, an amazing point. I never even realized this before. And I, I knew that the parsha of Shlach contained the mitzvah of Tzitzis at the end of it. But in the mitzvah of Tzitzis, there's a word here that you may recognize from the beginning of the parsha, It says, Urisim so you'll see the sittas of Zechartim is coming to Hashem. You'll remember the mitzvahs of Hashem, Vasisim Osam, you'll do them. And you shall not stray after your eyes and after your heart. The word sasur. where else do we see that? Oh, in the beginning of this week's parsha, by Yishlach, they sent out men, Lasur es ha'aretz. There, there we go. Lasura Sa'aretz. Are you going after, are you, the, the word Lasura Sa'aretz, the Sfasemis points out, the word Lasur, Latour, and he, if you read it with the Havaras Faradit, Tuf Vav Resh. Where do you recognize that word from? Tuf Vav Resh Hey, which is Torah. The Muraglim were being sent out, and Hashem was saying, see the Torah everywhere you go. Latour Sa'aretz. Tor, from the word Torah, Tor. In Hebrew, again, you, you look at it in the Hebrew letters. It's just one letter, hey, at the end. Torah or Tor. La Torah Ta'aretz or La Torah Ta'aretz. Hashem was saying, see the Torah everywhere. Velosasuru, lotaturu, Tor. Don't go after your eyes and your heart. Don't go after what you see on the outside. But go by what you are on the inside. You are a shliach of Hashem. God said, I know that you have evil intentions, but I figured if I give you the job and now you can say, I am a messenger of God, you can do the right thing, despite all the facets and things that you're going to see on the outside. Don't go spying after your eyes and your hearts, which we see at the end of, the week, of this week's Parsha. Says the Spas Emes, listen here, my dear friends, every one of you, 
you have the opportunity to turn yourself into a shaliach of Hashem, a, a messenger of God. How do you view yourself in this world? If you view yourself as a messenger of God, then what does it say? We saw the beginning. There's no one more dear to Hashem in the world than a messenger who goes out to do his mitzvah. And he gives himself up to do what God wants. Often we're left with that, 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 that internal conversation. Do I do what I want or do I do what God wants? Who's the boss of me? Every little kid, you're not the boss of me. Who's the boss of me? Do you see yourself as a shaliach doing God's will? Or do you see yourself as I'm going to tour after my eyes and my heart and see what I want and see what I like? And how do I look like from the outside? I'm a big golden vessel. Are you looking at the soul that's inside you like a clay pot that has no value from the outside, but the whole value is on the inside? What do you carry? God, the heart that you put inside of me, it is pure. You created it. You fashioned it. You put it into me. You gave me a job in this world. You gave me a job in this world to be a light into the nations. You gave me a job in this world to do the mitzvahs of Hashem, to bring beauty and joy and sanctity and love and harmony to this world. Am I going to do that or am I going to allow the cynicism and the anger and the negativity of the outside world affect me? Well, it depends. If you are a metal vessel, if you're a golden vessel, always preening and looking at how do I look on the outside? Am I beautiful enough on the outside? How do other people view me? Then you're going to get swept away by all the negativity and all the tumult from outside. But if you're a klicheres and you say, I'm going to look inside and know deep, I hear my neshama speaking to me. I hear my soul speaking to me. I hear what, te- what it's telling me to do. And I'm going to follow that. I'm going to be a shaliach for God. Then no tumor from the outside can make you tummy. No impurity from outside of you can make you tummy. May Hashem give us the ability to follow spies 2.0 and not spies 1.0. Not the disaster of those who had their own self-interest involved, and because of that, were deeply made into cynical beings by what was around them, but instead be like the, the Miraglam Cheresh, the Miraglam of the second grouping that saw themselves as purely messengers from God and were willing to be most beneficent for it, to sacrifice themselves for it, and because of that, they brought incredible glory onto themselves and salvation to the Jewish people. Thank you so much for coming and for listening and for being awesome.